found it. It's the Japan What Podcast, coming at you out of the back end of Tokyo. The armpit of Asia. It's Shinjuku Shinjuku-ku in the Toshihisa studio. My name is Matt Bigelow, MatthewPMBigelow.com for all your Japan What Podcast needs. Show notes, photos, donations, and more. Check it out. Welcome to the show. I am having what you are having. That's an explosive one, Mr. Listener. Ms. Listener. You uh, really hit it out of the park right there. Thank you so much. Oh, tourism is back in Tokyo. I was in the uh, the Shinjuku Gyoen yesterday. About a year ago, I would see maybe 50, 60 people there in a massive park, central Tokyo. Now, thousands, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. It's interesting to see uh, tourism come back. Um, I kind of miss the days when it was gone, but uh, we'll see. Maybe another pandemic will come around and we can resolve my tourism issues. For all those who are coming into the country, welcome. Enjoy your stay. Donate to the podcast. We're going to begin this podcast, as we always do, with the hate read of the week. Coming to us from Sora News 24 via japantoday.com. We hate read these people because we can't stop reading them, basically. Let's begin. New products. Portable handheld microwave shoots to the top of our cooking gadget wish list. (laughs) That's why I don't like like Sora News. Shoots to the top of our cooking gadget wish list. List, Mr. or Ms. Listener, how many how many cooking gadgets are on your wish list? Any? Any at all? Have you ever just made a list of cooking gadgets and said, This is my cooking gadget wish list? And this well, this one's gonna shoot right to the top, let me tell you. This is by Casey Basile, Sora News 24, Tokyo. And I hate read it. A microwave is a must-have for any kitchen, whether you like hot meals made with minimum effort or like eating leftovers of more complex recipes. Of course, those culinary desires don't disappear when you step out of the house. Yes, they do. So now Japanese power tool maker Makita has created a portable microwave. Yes, for this demand that never existed. Makita makes a wide variety of cordless power tools, and they've, been, and they've applied their expertise in that field to the battery-powered microwave, Jūdenshiki-denshi-renji in Japanese. Also known by its model number, the MW001GZ, instead of plugging the microwave into a wall socket, you insert a pair of Makita's rechargeable 40-volt max lithium-ion batteries into the device, after which you're set to start cooking or heating food and drinks. We'll have pictures of this up at MatthewPMBigelow.com. The designer sized the portable microwave to be able to fit even large bento boxed lunches, and fully charged batteries should give it enough juice to warm up 11 of them. Alternatively, the full charge could heat up about 200, 200, sorry, heat up about 20, 200 milliliter drinks. A highly likely scenario, yes, a highly likely scenario uh, that drinks as much tea as, and coffee as Japan does. 
The microwave is equipped with a fold-down carrying handle, and there's also an optional shoulder strap that's sold separately for 1,000 yen. That looks like a good shoulder strap, actually. Because it's coming from Makita, you know, all those drill people. Their, their warehouses are probably full of uh, shoulder strap accessories, like for the working man. It really does look like a good shoulder strap. I have a bag that I use, and it didn't have a good shoulder strap, and then that shoulder strap starts digging into your shoulder, and it kind of puts too much weight on one point, and then it may even, like, give you back pain. With these wide shoulders, I should be writing for Sora News 24. With these wide shoulder straps, they, they distribute the weight across the shoulder, giving you more carrying potential for your portable microwave needs. Since Makita is, first and foremost, a power tool maker, the initial aim for the battery-powered microwave was to give construction crews a way to enjoy hot meals and drinks while at job sites where there's no electrical grid for them to plug into. As the design progressed, though, they realized that the machine can also be useful for outdoor types and disaster relief shelters, as demonstrated in the video below. There's a video. Okay, I'll be linking to the video. I just checked it out. There's not real any funny thing about it. The battery-powered microwave is priced at 110,000 yen, or about $1,000. The 40-volt max batteries aren't included since they're also used by many of Makita's other tools, and there's a chance that interested buyers already have a spare pair. Source, Makita. There we go. Probably one of the most interesting um, uh, hate reads of the week. It's not like some poo thing. There's a lot of poo things that get into those. Uh, this one is, you know, <laughs> okay, calm down. Uh, would you like to have a portable microwave? Yes or no? If either of your options was yes or no, go to MatthewPMBigelow.com for more. That is the hate read of the week. Sora News 24, go fudge yourself. Um, High or not high? We're just going to begin with this idea. Are these people high or are they not high? High. Or not high. So there was another assassination attempt yesterday on uh, Prime Minister Kishida's life. Some southern city. I have the article around here. Some young guy walks up, throws a pipe bomb. Some, uh, some of Kishida's uh, security detail... Uh, it's kind of this funny guy jumps out with a, uh, a briefcase that unfolds. It turns into a shield. It's like, hey, I'm just a regular businessman. Ba-ding! No, I'm a secret agent with a business shield. Um, it kicks the pipe bomb away back into the crowd. Not, not, the, best, not the best move there, bro. Um, and the, the, it goes off. It makes a noise. One person is kind of hurt a little bit. Um, then there's this guy in the crowd, this old fisherman, Mr. Kishida, was visiting a fishing town. There's a giant election going on in, in Japan right now. Might cover it later. It doesn't, I don't really see these as having much effects. Then you get into the weeds of all these people you never hear of again. This woman was a DJ. This man is a YouTuber. And they want to, okay, sure. Go at it. But who are you? Why should I care? We don't. Um... But there's this fisherman guy who's wearing, like, this uh, vest, a snowflake vest. He's not a snowflake. And he, he's the first one to apprehend this lunatic, this little guy who tried to blow up the prime minister. Now, high or not high? Are these people high or are they not high? I think you'd have to be pretty, pretty out of your mind 
to commit to like trying to assassinate a Japanese prime minister. Uh, Mr. Abe had his ties to the Unification Church, you know, because of the Korean Peninsula Japanese relations and post you know, World War II, post World War post-war Korea, uh, all the communism things, and finding patriots who wanted to not be communists was probably a key um, vector for the intelligence community to make alliances and, and you know, source uh, political allegiances or political, mm, sewing political fabric in the far east of Asia that was anti-communist. Um, and this uh, guy who blew up, blew out Abe's guts on and neck on on the streets. Um, uh, what ha- you know, his father had committed suicide. Uh, his mother turned to the Unification Church and gave a lot of the family money to them. This guy who would move on to commit, you know, uh, a political assassination on uh, Mr. Abe. Uh, also had a brother who was ill. So this guy just comes from a, a family of, of terrible, terrible background. And I'm always, I'm kind of thinking these days, this is, I'm going to lead into this with another idea here. But um, first of all, you, you know, you're not killing Hitler. These are, these are, these are, these are elements of a political party in Japan where it, it, it's like if you, it, it's akin to blowing the head off of a McDonald's manager thinking that, like, there's not another McDonald's manager that's just going to pop into the McDonald's the next day and take over and everything's going to run exactly as it was. Um, You can try to stab a McDonald's. Like, I don't advocate for this at all. In fact, I'm saying it's very silly to even consider these ideas as as paths forward for your life because this guy who tried to blow up Mr. Kishida, he's like a young guy, 24, his life is probably screwed now. And who is he? We don't know. He's going to know who he is and his failed attempt. But is he high or not high? We all know that a lot of these younger guys and girls, they're drinking less. And some people say there's also an uptick in pharmaceutical usage or mental disease. And a doctor that they go to pushes a bunch of pills on them. They have crazy side effects. They run into some problems in life and they go nuts. Now, let's just begin by reading the article before I go into any of my theories on this because it'll input some ideas onto uh, where to go with the idea of young people going nuts. Hold on, where is it? There we go. So this comes to us from Asahi.com. I just like to choose a wide variety of sources here. Um, and it says, suspects home searched bags seized at site of Kishida attack. This is from April 16th, 2023. We're recording this on April 17th, 2023. Kawanishi, Hyogo Prefecture. Police on April 16th searched the home here of a man suspected of lobbying an explosive device while Prime Minister Fumio Kishida was campaigning for a lower house by-election the previous day in Wakayama City. Kishida was unharmed in the incident that occurred around 11.25 a.m. He was preparing to give a speech at Saikazaki Fishing Port when a cylindrical object landed behind him and exploded moments later. Video footage taken by a resident captured Kishida looking back as security officers rushed to protect him while members of the roughly 200-strong audience screamed. The suspect, Ryuji Kimura, 24, was arrested on the spot of suspicion of obstructing a campaign speech. That happens a lot in Japan. They arrest you for something minor and then build the case and charge you later for something else, like assassination. 
perhaps. It, we don't know if that's the case. He was believed to be about 10 meters from Kishida when he hurled the device, according to police. Wakayama Prefectural Police are examining a backpack that was among Kimoto's presumed personal belongings seized at the scene. In Kawanishi, Hyogo Prefecture, Wakayama Police uh, began searching Kimoto's home before 1 a.m. Officers took away 10 or so cardboard boxes before the search ended at 10 a.m. Hyogo Prefectural Police had told nearby residents to evacuate beforehand for fear of explosives. Um, and then Kishida says such a violent act is unforgivable as it was committed during elections which form the basis of democracy he told reporters at the prime minister's office official residence it is virtually it is vitally important to carry through with the election process to the very end um Kishida then just continued on with his campaign speeches. Good for him. Not a supporter uh, of these guys. I mean, I'm a I'm a local Gaijin resident who can't vote for these people, so why support them? Um, so what do we do here? This is completely unrelated, or is it? Um, uh, two men arrested over prank video showing them putting used toothpicks back in a holder at a Yakiniku restaurant. Now, I'm purposefully putting two contrasting things together to make a point here. Um, Tochigi, police, and this comes to us from April 13th. Police in Nasushiobara City, Tochigi Prefecture, have arrested two 30-year-old men on suspicion of fraudulent obstruction of business after they posted a video on social media showing them putting used toothpicks back into a holder at a Yakiniku restaurant, barbecue restaurant. Police said the two men, Takahiko Iso, a construction worker from Otawara City in Tochigi Prefecture, and Masaki Muroi, an unemployed resident of Tsukuba and Ibaraki Prefecture, have admitted to filming the prank on their smartphones. The two men, who have been friends since their junior high school days, were arrested on Tuesday. The incident occurred last September, but the video was posted in February and went viral, at which point the Yakiniku restaurant filed a complaint with police. It has also announced preventative measures such as providing customers with individually wrapped toothpicks. Good for them. High or not high? Are these people high or not high? High. Or not high. They're high on something. Is it social media? Is it the dopamine hit that they can get from social media? I've been using social media since MySpace. And before that, I was on forums and then broadband, you know, BBNs or something like that. Broadband network where you'd phone up with a modem and go and play text-based RPGs and stuff like that. And I kind of avoided the whole psychological um, uh, backbone that's been put into a lot of social media with the with the light. We all succumb to it here and there, but I've never been like I need to get thirty thousand followers, and I am I am a leader, I am an influencer. I've never had that that dream or ambition. Um, MatthewPMBigelow.com. So, uh, this is my idea. Now. Over the past three years, since the pandemic came along, we've had school closures. We've had interruptions into the development of young people. This guy's 24 who just tried to assassinate the prime minister. The guys in the Yakiniku restaurant, 27, 26 maybe, or a little bit older when the pandemic hit. Uh, They're in their early 30s now. Um, You can't meet people. You can't develop. I remember, like, for me, going from age 15 to age 20 is is like a, it's like a launching into space how different that is. Going from playing Super Nintendo Entertainment Systems 
to playing in bands in university bars and, and stuff like that, learning the drums, all these things. It's an incredible pace of development. The age of 10 to 20 is crazy how much you grow up. Now, a lot of these people have been locked down, shut down, unable to go out, unable to develop, and they see their opportunities. They don't even see. They're just their opportunities are being robbed from them, their opportunities to develop, their opportunities to build up skills. And who are imposing these on them? The older men of their generations, the 70-year-olds, the 80-year-olds, the 60-year-olds in charge, who are saying, you have to lock down, you have to lock down, you have to stop going to school. Now you go back to school, you wear a mask. And it doesn't take much, like there's going to be enough people who realize that COVID was dangerous, but it was mostly dangerous to people with immunocompromised systems, fat people, old people, and the like. Now, if you're just hanging out with young people, you know, the idea, there was the idea that you were going to be asymptomatic, come home and kill your grandmother. That was, to me, just fear porn, and I don't really think it really ever happened. I, if you are associating with a lot of elderly people, yeah, maybe not hang out with younger people for a few months and see how it goes. Uh, but I'm not sure if 87-year-old grandma wants to live behind a plastic tarp and not see their grandkids for the, you know, how many times are they going to see them anyways? If you're 87 years old, do you have family coming every week or are they coming around once every few years if you're lucky for a lot of these people? They might even have a lot of family members who have died in their 60s or 50s, you know? So this idea that the whole family is gathering around grandma and the old folks home every weekend is a lie. We all know it's a lie. Um, so there are all these young people, and a lot of them are figuring out that they've been robbed and they haven't been a chance, they haven't had a chance to develop. They haven't had a chance to get girlfriends. And, um, you know, if they're not in on the COVID fear porn thing, uh, try finding someone who is. I mean, it's tough. I, I, I'm a part of a very loose network of local gaijins here who are like unvaccinated. And, you know, m moving into three years from May 2020 is when I said, eh, I'm going to stop worrying about this thing. I'm just going to be careful, but I'm not going to go into whole fear mode here. I'm not, that's not how I'm going to live my life when I had no evidence of it. All the people were in the hospitals who were dying. All of these videos from China coming out with people passing out on the streets. I didn't see that in Japan at all. And if that was the preemptive measures for declaring the lockdown two weeks to spread the, stop the spread and all that, no, 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 no. I eventually just said, mm, I feel like we're kind of being abducted here and I don't feel like going along with it. I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to walk this tightrope very carefully for the next few years. I had just been laid off of my job. I had a pregnant wife at home. And I wasn't going to succumb to the fear. I just said, nope, no fear. Like a 19, late 80s, early 90s t-shirt. Second place is the first loser. That was me. <laughs> um, but now all these men, what do, you, what do you expect them to do? I don't expect them to commit political assassinations. They're going to get prankier. I mean, you've been locked down for a few years and you want to have some fun. You have this supercomputer in your hand that can get you millions of views by just posting some dumb video. And that's what gets spread a lot these days. It's not like when I was a kid where music was spread through the um, TV networks that I would watch and Simpsons and stuff like that. Now it's um, girls dancing, um, murder videos, um, and like weird advice <laughs> whatever the algorithm thinks it wants to show you. So you get these pranksters. Now, some of them are going to be a little even crazier, and they're going to say, well, 
My life has been pointless. Maybe I'll go and do an assassination. Maybe it'll give something, some meaning to my life. And this guy, this 24-year-old guy, wow, he has meaning now, doesn't he? But he is screwed for life. And I don't condone condone any of it. I mean, like I said, committing a political assassination against somebody from the LDP is like blowing the head off of a McDonald's manager thinking that you're going to take down McDonald's or something like that. They're going to say, what a shame. And then the headquarters will go, that's a profitable McDonald's. Get another manager in there, Prano. Do it now. Why isn't they already there? Send the wife of the executed manager a ham, a McDonald's ham. We have McDonald's ham? Yes, sir, we do. Send her some McDonald's ham and we're, we're done. Let's move on with our lives. That's the way the corporations work in these Political parties are often run like corporations. So are they high or not high? Or are they just robbed? Um, But I see this pendulum of karma swinging back the other way, where all of these impositions were put on the youth, were put on the kids. All of these people were not allowed to develop. The pendulum is like, you can mix the metaphors here. The pendulum is swinging back the other way and the pendulum at the end there that ball has been compressed and there's a little fuse inside of it and it's ready to blow and it's going to speed up and speed up and you're never sure when it's going to pop and that's why we get these um, assassination attempts on two prime ministers in less than a year perhaps this is just my speculation and this is why we have the pranking the sushi pranking this sort of thing that was I never remember seeing it I'm sure some people were up to no good in these uh, sushi restaurants but the, the proliferation of, uh, of the media uh, by just giving people supercomputers with the idea of getting um, unlimited amounts of dopamine hits followed by lawsuits and, and criminal charges and stuff like that that's just the era that we are living in today so like it or not The pendulum of karma is swinging around like some sort of boomerang with a bunch of bombs lit on it that are ready to go off. And this generation that's having its uh, future robbed of it are going to react in unbelievable ways. I see some of these videos of kids, hundreds of kids, 19 years old, 20 years old, getting new jobs at Japan Airlines, and they're all wearing the same suit, and they're all wearing the same mask, and they've just had three years of intense fear porn shoved into their heads by all of the adults that they know. You're going to get the extremists who go for it, and you're going to get the extremists who go against it. And you'll get a lot of people in the middle who just want to go home and watch TV, but the TV they're watching, well, they're going to have all of that extremism punched into there too because all their friends uh, that have been pushed into this extreme world are going to be in the media making the media for them to consume. So that's what I see happening. I don't know about you, but I consider it high. High. Or not high. The G7 is in town. The group of seven finance ministers are in Karuizawa, one of my favorite places in Japan. I've been up there a few times traveling. It's um, it's a little bit in the northern part of Japan, and it's there's there's the two sides of Japan with the two oceans. One has the Pacific Ocean side, and the other one has the Japan Sea side. Karuizawa is like at the middle of the mountain range there, right right where one 
slides over to the other, one side of the ocean, facing one side of the ocean to the other. But the Japan seaside in the wintertime is just pounded with snow. And the clouds can't crest over the top of the mountains. And Karuizawa is just over the crest. So it doesn't get all the crazy, crazy, crazy snow. It gets enough. But the water is so pure. The booze is so pure. And the weather is so nice with this history behind it of European kind of, and Christian. Um, there's like a, there's a lot of churches there. There's a Christian influence. It kind of it imbued this place with a very unique culture in Japan. And if you go there, I mean, you're talking beautiful eats. You're talking kind of cool cafe culture as well. And uh, the, anyways, I can't recommend Karuizawa enough. There's nature. Oh, it's amazing. It's one of the best places in Japan. I am this guy, you know, with all the Japanese food from like Hokkaido to Okinawa. I'm not a big fan of the Tohoku people. They're a little dull, to be honest. But the food from the Tohoku region is the best. It's not greasy. It, it's, it's very fresh and it tastes as the food itself somehow, if that makes sense. Whereas, you know, the okonomiyaki is doused in mayonnaise and fish sauce and fried up into oblivion. It's delicious in Hiroshima with all the noodles put into it. Big fan. But for some reason, the tohoku food, and then you pair it with the nihonshu, it's unlike any other food in the world, and it's so fresh and natural. Ah, I love it. But we have the G7 ministers in Japan at the moment. I'm not going to talk about this too much, but I just wanted to say that they, um, <laughs> they, this is my idea of the, this is what the G7 ministers do. They travel all over the world and then they get seated at these very nice banquets and then they get these staplers and then they staple their pants to their chairs and then they say, we want to do something, but we can't do anything because our pants are stapled to our chairs. So that's my view of the G7. I don't view them as very effective or interesting. Um, right now, I, I view Western leadership as very, very dubious, fat, activist, um, uncontrolled, big aims, but little know-how, if that makes sense. I will just go through this quickly. Uh, G7 foreign ministers agree on unity over China as talks begin in Japan. Oh, unity over China. China is too powerful. We, we got to rein it in. Agreed. Let's spend billions of dollars of day there developing all of our infrastructure that they can send us later in life. Yes, that's the G7 right there. Ooh, you China. Oh, you human rights. Okay, here's $80 billion. Please bill us a prefabricated power plant of some sort so that we can ship it back to our home country because we don't want to develop it ourselves because it will affect our carbon score. Wink, wink. Capiche, China? The group of seven foreign ministers on China agreed that unity between the major industrialized nations will be key in dealing with geopolitical issues in the Indo-Pacific as China grows increasingly assertive in the region and North Korea continues to advance its missile and nuclear weapons programs. The top diplomats took a bullet train from Tokyo to the resort town of Karuizawa in Nagano Prefecture to attend the three-day meeting where police officers were on high alert a day after Prime Minister Fumio Kishida was the apparent target of an attack involving an explosive device. Beginning, this is, I love this, beginning with a working dinner. Oh, really? Wow, working dinner, is it? Representatives from Britain, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the United States, plus the European Union, 
why is the European Union part of the G7? It's that's supposed to be okay. I guess there's just unelected bureaucrats now coming in. Agreed that maintaining unity will be extremely important in addressing the various challenges. While acknowledging the importance of building a constructive and stable relationship with China, Japanese Foreign Minister Yoshi Masahayashi and his counterparts agreed that they are opposed to any unilateral attempts to change the status quo by force. As the holder of the rotating G7 presidency this year, Japan would like the group to showcase the importance of a free and open international order based on the rule of law. Do world order. Do world order. Hayashi was quoted as saying at the outset of the talks. The meeting took place amid French President Emmanuel Macron's facing criticism from some in the United States and Europe after he called for European strategic autonomy on the issue of Taiwan. Okay, I love this. Europe is like, oh my God, oh Ukraine, we got us. Hello Asia, we're gonna we're gonna send NATO Stoltenberg over to Japan. Maybe you can drum up some support. Oh, we need more support for Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And then all this Taiwan stuff happens, and and Europe is like, no, no, no. You come to Europe, Europe doesn't come to you. We only come to you when we want stuff from you, okay? But you come to us whenever we want. We're Europe. Don't you understand that? That's how I view. And Macron, this guy's a real card, man. It's like the he's always billed as a centrist. It's like, yeah, he's a centrist. Macron, the centrist, as opposed to uh, Marine Le Pen, this horrible Nazi quadroon. Macron, the centrist. Let me tell you about Macron. Here's Macron. He uh, graduates from high school. And he eventually marries his high school teacher, who's like 17 years older than him or something like that. Okay. Pas de problème, Monsieur Président. Uh, I understand. A French couture. Uh, but then he goes on to study uh, philosophy in university. Oh, okay, sure. Machiavellian philosophy. You know, Machiavellian philosophy, the prince. All right. Well, that's not very centrist. And then after becoming, after getting his degree in university, he goes on to become a Rothschild banker. So you have this Rothschild's banker who studied Machiavellian philosophy, who married his high school teacher, who's a 15 years older than him or something like that, and he's billed as a centrist. That is not a centrist. That is a lunatic. So anyways... Who knows what that guy's up to? Um, Beijing views Taiwan as a renegade province to be united with the mainland by force, if necessary. I guess we can play this. War, war, war. Die for the war. Everybody moves. Die for the good, for the good. Die for the war. Die for the war. Tensions over the self-ruled democratic island have been fueled by a meeting between Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen and U.S. House Representatives Speaker Kevin McCarthy in California earlier this month with China carrying out military drills in response. They surrounded the island and like did like a fake embargo response, uh, China did. With the consternation caused by Macron's comments possibly in mind, the G7 foreign ministers meeting in Katarizawa reaffirmed the importance of peace and stability. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, I'm going to stop there. It's always so important when they meet, huh? And then they have working dinners and agree on peace and stability. 
without doing anything. So again, I just say give every one of these people a stapler so that they can staple their pants to their chairs and then say, sorry, everyone, we tried, but we couldn't do anything because our pants were stapled to our chairs. Have you considered donating? That's right, the D word. Have you considered donating to the Japan What Podcast? No? Of course not! But it's time. It's time to support local media, bringing you a fresh perspective where there hasn't been sheep dip and enemy propaganda. <laughs> sure. Uh, you can support us by going to matthewpmbigelow.com or by downloading downloading a podcast 2.0 compliant app. I'm using Podverse at the moment. You can also use Fountain or you can just Google podcasting 2.0 apps or search engine it and download one and get started. Connect your Bitcoin wallet and make micropayments of Satoshis in Bitcoin form to all of your favorite podcasters. The Japan What Podcast is set up, running, and waiting for you. You can also donate via PayPal at paypal.me forward slash japan wut that's paypal.me forward slash japan wut go to the website matthewpmbigelow.com and check out the show links the photos there's that microwave maybe there's a hot chicken there too and i'm gonna put a hot chicken there and give us some traffic if not anything else Thank you for listening, and let's move on with the show. I made this song, by the way. That's my first venture into producing dark synthwave music. Let's move on to Japan Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial Schwab revolution top. will raise our They're all in on it. I was doing some... Uh, I'm going to begin this um, one with uh, not necessarily Japan-focused, but it's something that's available in, in Japan, and that's the um, AI censorship programs that are going around. And I got hit by a Facebook... AI censorship attack. Um, I've never claimed that COVID was fake, okay? So I'm not saying that. I just said, mm, it looked dangerous, wasn't that dangerous, not taking the vaccine, I'll play it safe. That was my approach. Um, but the flu disappeared. Like, I was looking at the WHO, the World Health Organization charts, and it, it fell off the map from 2020 to 2022, um, I don't know. I'm not going to say like, hey, that's because this or that's because of that. Or I didn't even want to say like, I've heard something that with the dominant virus is around and the other virus isn't active because uh, it, it, it's all just random, the random nonsense of, of all of the excess amount of medical information that we were all positioned into during the pandemic. So I didn't want to include any articles. I just found an authoritative graph from the WHO 
and it showed every year the flu going up and coming down, up and coming down during flu season. And then 2020 to 2022 hits, falls off the map, falls off the charts. It's nowhere to be seen, almost. And then after that, it's back to going up and going down again in flu season. So I posted that on Facebook. I'm like, where do you think the flu went? And some people in Japan were like, well, there was this. And I'm like, yeah, but this chart that I'm sourcing from the WHO, which I, I hate, but, you know, it's authoritative. It's, it's worldwide data, so it doesn't apply to Japan flu season. And someone else was like, well, in Denmark, we did this. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, but again, Denmark's a very small country, and it doesn't cover all the, you know, places in America that were locking down, weren't locking down, the geographical areas around the world and everything else. So it's just kind of like, I could see it having an impact. I could see like, hey, all the social distancing and the hand washing reduced it by, you know, X percent. But this was like gone. I'm like, well, if anything, this is a medical miracle. I mean, we cured the flu for two years, for God's sakes, and it's gone now. Like, where did it go? Like, it, 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 But people are just like, hey, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I generally want to know what happened. I mean, this should be something we all should be concerned about. Flu season hits every year. Thousands and thousands of people die, and now it didn't happen. I mean, was it the pandemic? Was it not the pandemic? Because you just can't say it was the pandemic, can you? I don't know. Um, and then Facebook was like, we, 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 wanted, we checked you, and yeah, your information's right, but it didn't require, the, it didn't have the context, and people might think it would be um, anti-vaccine. I'm like, what the hell? I... I'm not anti-vaccine. If you wanted the vaccine, take the vaccine. I didn't I didn't even say anything about my position on the vaccine in this post. So then I'm like, okay, I click on the link. It said, we've provided extra context in your post. It, it removes the image of the WHO's information. I click on the, um, the additional context link, and it takes me to, like, some, like, sci-fact site. And I'm like, okay, sci-fact. I don't know what that is. And it says... The rapid decrease, the, the didn't even say rapid decrease, the decrease in flu cases, it wasn't a decrease, it fell off the chart. So even that's even more misleading than what I said, was likely due to social distancing and hand washing, many experts have said. But a post on social media posting the chart may have caused people to think COVID-19 was a hoax. So therefore, I'm not allowed to show the graph. That is crazy. But how does this fit into Society 5.0? Well, if you're a fan of the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency uh, YouTube channel, the DARPA YouTube channel, I used to watch it a lot, and they used to have these exhibitions on artificial intelligence technologies. And some of it was to identify pictures that were circulating on social media um, by something like a invading army that would use a so a Photoshop type techniques to make an invasion uh, of that was fake look like a really big invasion to try to st you know stir shit up basically. Uh, but the DARPA was saying no by looking at the date of this photo and the, the weather reports and this is all being calculated or aggregated. The data is being aggregated by their AI platforms. Right, you can aggregate data from the weather to the um, time of day. And, da, 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 and, and look at the, the sunlight on, on a picture and decide if this is a fake picture or not, a fake invasion or not. And that's what they were doing. And I thought, that's pretty interesting. Well, how do you do that? Well, once the photo has been um, identified, they take the pixelization of it, because pixels are on a screen, 
and it's two-way communication, essentially the internet. And they create a code. And the code just is a code. And then when that photo is recognized and attributed to the code, the AI can do X, Y, or Z with it. You know, you, in this case, it means block it and put up a notification. It's lacking context. In the case of what I believe happened to me because I posted up a different chart that I made by myself and it went through the AI censorship no problem because the pixelization of the image that I had posted had not been identified as being quote-unquote misleading context, which it wasn't. Uh, that's just what they're doing. It's all just lawyers basically lawyering up to make sure that the lawyers are happy so that the users can feel like Facebook is doing enough to prevent the spread of fake information. So that's my story for Society 5.0. I circumvented the, uh, the AI censorship program by just making my own image, a summary of the image uh, of the flu cases, and then some people, more people kind of commented saying, wow, that's really interesting or da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, we should be able to talk about it, shouldn't we? I mean, it's, it's potentially a medical miracle if the flu disappeared for two years. And I looked online, I'm like, flu, gone, medical miracle, study. I'm like, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. It's just like, here's this thing that plagues society every year and it went away for two years. And you're like, what? Why? Well, we just washed our hands and we stayed six feet apart from each other. I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. And if it did, we should be heralding that for some reason or some people should be heralding that or say, was it worth the did-did-did-did-did? But no, it's just shut up, slave. Shut up, slave. We got some more Society 5.0 coming up right now. This one will be a quick one. Um, a lot of people are concerned about isolation and not being able to get supplies and drone delivery could be a, a case for that. It could also be a case for prison systems where you're in a prison and drones instead of guards are acting on the behalf of the totalitarian state. It doesn't have to be that way. A lot of places in Japan have um, aging populations, as we all know, in rural areas. And the people driving around get into car accidents or they don't feel comfortable driving or they can't schedule meetings with their doctors. So drone delivery, this is a kind of, I think, could be a good case of such a thing. It's always a two-sided coin, double-edged sword, boomerang filled with explosives on the uh, pendulum swinging in a 360 arc with nuclear weapons attached to it, right? Drone used to autonomously deliver medicines in West Japan's demonstration flight. Wakayama! In a prefectural first, a live demonstration of the delivery of medical supplies via a drone was recently staged at a university in this West Japan city. Looking to take advantage of Japan's updated laws allowing civilians to conduct autonomous flights over urban areas. In J December 2022, Japan is notori notoriously anti-drone. I think it's because of their um, well-integrated helicopter fleets. There's helicopters everywhere in Tokyo, and you don't want uh, drones interfering with their flight paths. And they fly low to the ground. I mean, they fly over my house in central Tokyo, and you can almost sometimes see the pilots inside of them when the, yeah, you, you can hear the each individual blade sweeping over your house. In December 22, Japan revised its Civil Aeronautics Act, allowing for Level 4 flights or the remote piloting of drones beyond operators' line of sight over populated areas. That's a big deal. 
The project was the initiative of the KSK Co., a medical devices and pharmaceuticals wholesale company based in the city of Osaka. The company heard from others in the industry about being unable to deliver medical supplies to facilities at the scene in the wake of the disasters, um, certain disasters, earthquakes and floods. This led them to consider the use of drones. Uh, the company moved forward with drones provided by Tokyo's NTT Communications Corp. So this is um, hopefully the, they're not using DJI drones. Uh, you know, NTT is Japan's you know, first major telecommunications. It was state-sponsored as well, so they always want to wait for NTT to develop it and then, and then roll it out. In the test flight on March 30th, the drone was tasked with carrying medicines that need to be temperature-regulated. The drone took off from Wakagawa Kasan Park's tennis courts, about 1.5 kilometers away from Wakayama Medical University, with the medicines inside a cold storage box. By the way, a lot of those places like tennis courts or unused train lines, you know, they're, they're available for reuse now. Utilizing level two flight in which the drone flies autonomously within the operator's line of sight, the machine landed on top of the university's library building about 20 minutes later. <laughs> what a useless detail. It landed on top of the university's library building about 20 minutes later. Oh, really? Where on the top of the... F after, an individual, after an official's identity was verified using its facial recognition camera, the drone released the medicines. Vibration and other data from this flight will be analyzed to identify challenges ahead. In subsequent experiments, researchers plan to move up to other flight levels, including by flying over populated areas. Da -da 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 -da. So that's very good. I think that's a great use. Uh, sometimes you just, I mean, if you're sick at home and you have like this weird problem with your duodenum and you got to wait for somebody to swing by and then you wheel you into a hospital with all the rigmarole and then you wait in the waiting room and the doctor's like, show me your duodenum issue. And then he pokes you in the stomach and he's like, yep, here's the medicines you've been taking for this issue for the past 15 years. Now make the trek back home. Why not just fly a drone over there, drop it off, and sit in your house and do drugs, um, which is another use case. My idea for the Society 5.0 um, is the fried chicken whiskey highball delivery robot in a park. This is my idea. and I've, This is called the Kara, Karaboto, Kara Haiboto, Karaage Highball Robot. Beautiful day, sunny. You're with your kids in the park, your family, and uh, you feel like having a little snack, maybe a drink. It's two or three in the afternoon, and you've had enough of the kids. Um, but you look at the lineup for the the kiosk, and there's just a line around the corner, and there's it's like a Starbucks line. It's people on their phones. You say, I don't want that. Well, lucky you, you have access to the Karahai Bot. You there, you look on, you download the app. It shows on the park where all of these robots are. And you order uh, fried chicken and a highball. And once the robot is ready to deliver your order, it starts cooking internally the uh, fried chicken. And once it arrives at you, it gives you a QR code. You scan the QR code with your phone. It confirms your payment identity service, maybe even with facial recognition if you want to go that way. And then it makes you a fresh highball. So the robot goes, ching, opens up, and some fresh Freshly made fried chicken pops out. And on, on the other side of the robot, a bubbly, strong highball pops up on the other side. You take, it's cashless, so you don't have to deal with change and all that. 
you take out your high, you take your highball, you take your karaage, and the robot walks away. You didn't need to get up. You didn't need to leave your kids. You didn't need your kids to be distracted by everything along the way. It came, you got your stuff, and it left. That would be the society 5.0 I would be into. You can take some surveillance on me for that. If it's in a park where I know it's happening and I leave the park and delete the app and sayonara, mother funsters. I've just got some karaage and highballs inside of me and I didn't need to wait in line like a freaking sucker. Society 5.0. Do, do, do. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. Let's connect to this to some economy. Pandemic precautions spurred a shift to contactless purchasing. This is from the Nikkei. Cashless payments have grown to account for more than one-third of all consumption in Japan, fueled by the demand for touchless purchasing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Cashless, cashless purchasing reached 111 trillion yen, or $838 billion, in 2022, according to, to data from the Bank of Japan, the Japan Consumer Credit Association, and the Payments Japan Association. The 17% annual gain lifted the total above 100 trillion yen for the first time. While 36% of consumption in cash-loving Japan was covered by these payments last year, the share remains below that of Western markets. Such payments in Japan are defined as purchases made through credit cards, debit cards, QR code apps like PayPay, which my students helped develop, and prepaid e-money such as transit cards. Um, the Suica, for those who don't know. Credit cards are the most popular option, uh, rising 16% last year to 93.7 trillion yen. <clears throat> so we saw credit as the most um, viable option. I wonder why. Everybody losing their jobs? QR code payments jumped by 50% to 7.9 trillion yen, while e-money climbed 2% to 6 trillion yen. Uh, QR code platforms surpassed e-money payments for the first time last year. Debit card payments rose 19% to 33.2 trillion yen. The yearly, this is interesting, the yearly cost to maintain infrastructure for cash payments has swelled to 2.8 trillion yen, the Ministry of Economy, Trade, and Industry estimates. That includes the expense to keep money in registers and ATMs. The pandemic, do, 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 do. Um, according to PayPay, 200 billion yen worth of new points that have been associated with the my number card, personal identification number, have been charged through December. So it goes on. So... I'm actually use I'm using more cash than ever before. Um, I I used to use a lot of um, QR code payment systems during the pandemic, especially at the beginning. I was like, I don't know who you are. Uh, don't touch that money. <laughs> Just scan the code, and I still do a little bit, but it really is hard to manage your uh, your payments 
when you're dealing with QR code. It's just easy. It's like it's easier than credit card. Like you don't really know what you're spending. $20 here, $20 there. But when when the credit card, that ease of the credit card is on your phone and you're just like, yeah, scan it, scan it, scan it, scan it, scan it. You can go through a lot of money very quickly. So I've actually stopped. Not that I'm against it. I just need to really check my spending right now. Um, and relating to that is um, the move towards central bank digital currencies, the CBDCs. Uh, Fed now from the United States is working on it. Um, International Monetary Fund is big in on it. And Japan is as well. Uh, Japan loves its currency, the yen. It considers it a staple. And the people in Japan love their yen. Uh, they don't like using other money. They want to use yen. They like their yen. They're programmed from a very young age to be yen is good. Yen is great. So as Bitcoin and other Crypto assets threaten um, the so-called legitimate central bank currencies. Uh, on paper form, they're moving faster and faster in the centralized world to stake a claim. As Why wouldn't they? Why would you rely on Bitcoin? I'm thinking about getting into Bitcoin, to be honest. Washington, Kyoto News. Japan will support the International Monetary Fund's efforts to improve practical guidance on risks related to the introduction of central bank digital currencies, Finance Minister Shunichi Suzuki said Friday. This guy looks like he's uh, 89 years old. Why don't we do a little dive on him right now? We have the time. All right, we have a little bit of uh, him right now. He's good and bad. Um, So this is the Shunichi Suzuki. Um, how old is he? He's 70 years old. <laughs> and he's in charge of our finances. The gentrocracy of the old people's society is a very real thing. Shunichi Suzuki is a Japanese politician who serves as Minister of Finance in Japan. He is serving as the House of Representatives as a member of the Liberal Democratic Party. A native of Tokyo Metropolis um, and graduate of Waseda University, Suzuki and his wife belong to political dynasties. Former Prime Ministers Zenko Suzuki and Tanoaso are respectively his father and his brother-in-law. His wife, Chikako, is related to Heikichi Ogawa and Prime Minister Kichi Miyazawa. Uh, Suzuki was elected for the first time in 1990. He served as Minister of the Environment from 2002 to 2003. Suzuki has been appointed as Minister for the Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games twice. Other activities. European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. Inter-American Development Bank. uh, Political positions in favor of a revision of the Constitution. Uh, against the reform of the national legislature, in favor of reactivating nuclear power plants, against the goal of nuclear zero power by the 2030s, in favor of a strong attitude towards China, uh, against nuclear armed Japan, and against the reform of the imperial household. Anyways, it sounds like a real boomer, doesn't he? <laughs> All that stuff. How much does any of that really matter to young people these days? So there we go. Um, we're going to continue with that article. Um... To that end, the IMF is currently developing a handbook to be used by policymakers, and Japan will provide financial assistance for the work. Quote, we expect the IMF to help members, member countries explore the introduction of CBDCs and assess their risks through its capacity development, drawing on the handbook. Suzuki, a 70-year-old, yes, let's get the 70-year-old in charge of digitalizing our currency. 
Um, with many countries, particularly China and other emerging economies, moving fast towards the introduction of such digital currencies, Suzuki, who attended a meeting of the International Monetary and Financial Community in Washington, suggested the importance of creating common standards for them. Quote, it is critical to design institutional and regulatory frameworks with due consideration with the re- potential impacts of CBDCs on financial stability and capital flows and to reduce associated spillover effects from other countries' monetary policy and the international monetary system. End quote, he said in a statement. The meeting of the 24-member committee, which has held power by which is, ooh, the meeting of the 24-member committee, which was held as part of IMF and World Bank biannual gatherings, discussed issues including the current state of the global economy and ways to help low-income countries. But the panel comprising ministers and central bank governors that usually meets twice a year did not issue a joint communique. Its chair, Nadia Calvino, Spanish economy minister, said that this was because of differences over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, the members include China and Russia, da, 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 IMF. So um, we have the, uh, you know, marching towards the, everything, all these global New World Order stuff, um, all these Tokyo University people, the Sophia University people, they, they, they're all in on the, the Klaus Schwabian view of the New World Order and their preservation. And they're like, oh, it'll be great for everyone because we've been chosen to say that. And so now we're going to do that and we're just going to spread that and eventually it will become that. And you're like, what, what is that? And like, it's just going to be better. You're like, well, what, what do you mean? And No, it'll be digital, don't you see? I'm like, yeah, a lot of things are digital. Why is this one digital better? Because other people are also digital. You're like, what do you mean people are digital? I'm like, yes, people are digital. You're like, okay, all right, crazy people. Stop laying out my future for me now, please. Uh, go away. Get out of here. But I can't say that. I can't say that. But what effect am I going to have as a gaijin living in Japan while 70-year-olds rule over the economic future of my family? Not much. Not much at all. We have a little bit of China economic news, actually. Um, China's network of ports grows in Latin America. China's exports rebound unexpectedly to growth in March. This one is huge. Again, from the Mainichi, we don't need to read the whole thing. China's exports rebounded unexpectedly to growth in March, despite a decline in U.S. and European demand following interest rate hikes to cool inflation. (laughs) Didn't work, did it? 70-year-old idiots. Exports rose 14.8% over a year earlier. Exports, so cooling demand where? In U.S. and European. Oh, really? So the China's exports, how much over a year? Exports rose 14.8% a year earlier to 315.6 billion, recovering from a 6.8 contraction in January and February, customs data showed. Thursday, imports sank 1.4%, but the decline was smaller than the 10.2% slide in the previous two months. Maybe imports are sinking because they're making more at home. China's politically sensitive global trade surplus widened by 82% over a year earlier. Uh, I don't know what that means. Exports to the United States, the 27-nation European Union, China's biggest export markets uh, declined. For the first three months of the year, exports edged up 0.5%, and so it's all good. They're doing good. Uh, that's one thing. The and but I wonder why they're doing so well. Does it have to do with this? Is from Dialogo Americas.com. 
Um, China's network of ports grows in Latin America, where all these people can afford Chinese cheap stuff that they're making because China's cutting out the middlemen from Europe to make their own stuff, but it's basically the same technology, just maybe 10% worse. According to a late 2022 study by the U.S.-based National Security and Defense Think Tank Center for a Secure Free Society, that doesn't sound dodgy, does it? The number of Chinese-owned or operated ports worldwide has increased considerably. China's foothold in some 40 ports in Latin America from Peru to Mexico combined with seven satellite ground stations in Argentina, Brazil, Bolivia, and Venezuela allows the country to have strategic locations in the Western Hemisphere. No crap. Quote, China does not make random investments or choose geopolitical positions that aren't aligned with its strategic objectives. Daniel Poe, director of the Citizen Security Data Analysis Center of the Dominican Republic, told Dialogo. Many of the Chinese state-owned companies involved in these infrastructure investment and development projects have ties to the Chinese People's Liberation Army. No crap. China's military force in support of Chinese companies' economic expansion has been cautiously moving forward for a long time. Beijing's port infrastructures are just pieces of its economic, political, and military expansion strategy to become the great global hoarder of raw materials, especially Latin American resources, Poe said. China's logic is not to help develop countries that establish alliances with Beijing, but rather long-term strategies that facilitate the development of its expansion because it's an expansionist policy. Latin America is at the mercy of Chinese capital. Then do it yourself, Latin America. Stop being everyone's bitch. I'm tired of all these countries being like, America came in here, we let them just rule us, and they really turned us into their bitch. It's like, yeah, because you let somebody come in there and rule you, and that's what they do. They turn you into a bitch. In all these countries. They're like, yeah, and then we just became their bitch. It's like, well, don't become their bitch. How about that? That's a nice way to think, isn't it? Hey, I'm not going to be your bitch. Screw you with your money. And like, oh, wait, you said money? No, I'll be your bitch. That's fine. No, it's great. Here's a port. Just give me the money. I'll be your bitch. <laughs> That's the end of the economy. Here we go. Super Gadget of the Week. Super Gadget. S-G-O-T-W. Translated from ChatGPT. A 17-year-old girl from Thailand was mistakenly arrested and prosecuted as an adult with Japanese nationality due to a failure to detect her impersonation. The Osaka Prefectural Police and Osaka District Public Prosecutor's Office announced that they had mistakenly arrested and prosecuted a 17-year-old Thai girl for a theft case involving cash stolen from a restaurant, believing her to be an adult Japanese woman. <laughs> you know, girls, Japanese, Asian girls, if they're 17 to 45, I guess, is this, are they racist against themselves now? The girl had impersonated the woman by presenting her identification card, but the police and prosecutors failed to confirm her identity thoroughly. According to the announcement, the girl was arrested on suspicion of theft 
after stealing a wallet containing cash and a cash card from a restaurant in Osaka City in the early hours of that day. At the time of her arrest, she identified herself as a woman in her 20s and presented the woman's identification card. Okay, 20, 17, 20, okay. She was indicted on March 17th, but her defense counsel contacted the prosecutors on the 5th, revealing the mistake. The girl and the woman are not acquainted. At the time of her arrest, the girl had her own identification card and the woman had filed a report claiming that her identification card had been stolen, but the police and prosecutors missed the mistake in identification. Uh, the head of the criminal division of the district prosecutor's office, Takahishi, Taka, Takeshi Satake, said, This is an unacceptable situation. We will thoroughly confirm identities in the future and strive to prevent a recurrence. End quote. Yeah, they're going to find you out. Uh, they will know if you're Chinese, Japanese, Japanese, Thai, uh, no matter how good your Japanese is, they will find a way. They will get you. And therefore, you stealing restaurant with a stole, you stealing from a restaurant with a stolen ID, pretending to be Japanese when you're a Thai girl, makes you this week's Super Gotcha of the Week. Stupid gotcha, All right, and that's going to, uh, I had some more news today. Warren Buffett leads global investors into cheap Japan. I'm not sure about Buffett. Um, you know, he's, he's investing a lot in Japan. There's a big makeover in Tokyo's uh, skyline right now. So maybe he's thinking of getting in early on that game before it fills up with um, all the things that are going to happen. We don't know. Uh, QR codes become a game. Denso is the creator there. China Auto Show highlights intense electric car competition. I've covered that before. And uh, Japan to launch a new visa track for skilled foreigners. I guess we'll leave on this. There's this failure of the um, of the Japanese government to implement a very good technical trainee program especially when economic hardships happen. A lot of these people lose their jobs and go into crime because they can't support themselves. I have nothing but sympathy for them, except when they get jobs at convenience stores and they're not good at their jobs and they make the places dirty and hard to understand. Then I say, get out of here! I can't stand you. Um, but now the Japanese government is saying, wait a minute, we want skilled people to come. So if you have an annual income of $200,000 to $400,000 a year in a and a master's degree, then Japan would welcome you. And I'm kind of going, whoa, if you're making that kind of cash, you're not going to have a very good life in Japan compared to what other places you could be in. I mean, if you're in, you could be in Singapore, you could be in many other places because the tax rate on that income in Japan is very high. You're not going to have a very big place comparable to what you could get in other countries. Japan, for me, has been great for people who want to make who who are unable to make fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year in their home country, and they can find out to make it away here. Because I mean, you, if somebody making a hundred thousand dollars, they might live in a place that has ten more square meters in a like in a nicer area of town, which is just a ten minute subway ride that way. Like the difference is not that great. But when you get into that, I can make two hundred thousand or four hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, whoa, let's just say if you're in some nice places in the world, you're going to live pretty high on the hog for that kind of money. Whereas in Japan, especially now, maybe not so much. So I just wanted to say good luck, you stupid government, getting your shit in order because every time you try, it looks like you're falling flat on your face. And uh, good luck 
uh, we, hey, we promise no citizenship. We promise um, no voting. Uh, you can live in a very small place and you could easily do this job anywhere in the world, but you're going to go to an office in Japan and have people ask you English questions all day and have a manager that doesn't know what he's talking about try to tell you how to do your job. Sound like a deal? The answer is no. Go to MatthewPMBigelow.com. Thank you for listening. PayPal.me forward slash Japan W-U-T. You've been listening to the Japan What podcast. Uh, kind of went all over the map today. And uh, take it easy, everybody. And see you next time. You found it. The Japan What podcast. Coming at you out of the back end of Tokyo. The armpit of Asia. This has been Matt Bigelow. Signing off from the Toshihisa studio in Shinjuku, Tokyo. Japan. 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 I am the king of the ring. <laughs>